Hello, welcome back to Sextras. Where we talk about sex and all the extras. I'm Honey and my fun fact is I've had sex in an elevator. Oh wow. (laughs) I really want to do that. I'm living your life goals. Yeah. Hello guys, I'm Maria and my fun fact is that I've never had sex outside. So I guess it's not that much of a fun fact at all. It's actually kind of a sad fact. But there you go. <laughs> Should we start changing the fun facts to sad facts? <laughs> it would be way more on brand, to be fair. Yeah, sad girls hour. We were saying how our podcast is literally sad girls hour. Sad boys. Yeah, literally. The sad boys club. <laughs> yeah. Um, this week we have a very exciting guest with us she is our friend from school we've been friends for i don't even know how many years we've been through a lot together right guys (laughs) yeah um we we went through our sexual awakening together (laughs) and yeah i mean not really together we didn't fuck each other but i don't think that's what anybody was thinking That's what Maria is <laughs> She's like, I, no, I, I wish, I wish. Sorry, anyway, introduce yourself, please. Hi, I'm Miranda, as you guys know. <laughs> Friend from school, sexual awakening, all that jazz. <laughs> My fun fact is that I did not orgasm until I was 18 and bought my first vibrator, which I'm sure resonates with most of our listeners, women listeners, I'm hoping. I yes. can't be the only one. <laughs> that is my fun fact. It's also another sad fact, the Sad Boys Club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure so many people relate to that. We talked about it in our episode, A Girl's Gotta Come. Mm-hmm. So I remember. You guys can go check it out. <laughs> yeah, definitely check it out. So for our segment this week, as Miranda said, in light of the presidential election and Trump being a complete asshole and misogynist, basically, we're mm-hmm. going to talk about sexual fantasies as much as we possibly can. Because the election is such an inspiration, isn't it? Such an inspiration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the elections just made me feel really sexual, you know? That tete-a-tete between Biden and Trump is such a turn-on. <laughs> <laughs> so turned on by this slow counting (laughs) (laughs) and like teasing us with the result you know (laughs) but we asked our instagram followers what is your sexual fantasy and we have a few answers that we're going to discuss so what are our followers sexual fantasies someone said being being pinned down by the throat that's very intense pinned down Mm. but like what do they do they just mean choking or like they're literally like they can't move yeah to be fair they did add like this is quite vanilla ha 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 is it (laughs) no i don't know i think pinned down is pretty specific no i feel like it's quite 50 50 pinned down is specific if it was like being choked i'd say that's pretty vanilla i mean come on who is this (laughs) yeah i guess no but i would say even being choked is like very 50 50 like either people are really into it or they're like oh oh i can't understand that like yeah what are your thoughts into it or not 
yeah sounds lit i mean i don't want to like die but you know no that's the best part of the thing honey you you get choked and you die (laughs) that's the fantasy i kind of feel like it'd be hot to get pinned up like oh my god man that's a whole that's a whole other ball game i feel (laughs) a whole other ball game (laughs) what like on the wall yeah torture (laughs) Yeah, basically. With like, your legs just, like, like dangling. <laughs> yeah. I think it'd feel really hot. To all the mums and dads listening oh. out there. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Matt. <laughs> I feel like my mum's pretty desensitised to it at this point. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I just, I still feel like yeah. no matter how liberal this feels and this conversation about sex feels, there is still such a daunting feeling about speaking about it where it's going to be heard by people. Mm. I don't know. What what can and can't be said? Are there any limits here, guys? Whatever you're comfortable with. Mm. What's the second one? To do it on an airplane. Okay. Okay, joining the Mile High Club, not for me. I'm just not into it. I feel like it depends on the flight. Some flights are just, like, horrible. I hate flying. But <laughs> other flights, like, it's like, oh, I need a bit of excitement. You mm. know, like... <laughs> wouldn't say no i don't know i'm not against it but like it's not one of my it's not in my i remember there was this one man every time i'd fly from mexico to london um that was really attractive and i always thought well then he was was always there let me just clarify he worked he was a he was an air steward Ah. Um, <laughs> no, we just coincidentally <laughs> took the same yeah. flight every year. Yeah, like he's stalking me. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's like this guy. Yeah, so this man, the air steward. Um, there was always kind of an exchange of looks, you know. And I, I thought, if it were feasible, how thrilling would it be to like have sex on an airplane? But I think, practically speaking, like you'd just be too. I, I personally, I can't speak for everyone. I'd be too worried about people waiting to go to the bathroom <laughs> yeah i feel like i'd be so self-conscious about like the air stewardesses like outside they obviously know like i've seen interviews with them where they're like yeah, i mean it's kind of obvious when people are having sex in the bathroom like it's not exactly a big space do you think it happens yeah, a lot then really i bet mm. all the time like Kudos. every flight i'm kind of more into the idea of like touching each other while sitting next to each other like on the on the down yeah. low, rather than going to the bathroom, maybe not I full set. I think you're talking about making people feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, but... I think that in itself is a yeah, kink. but so they can't see, so they can't see. Yeah, but okay. to be fair, that's a lot of people's the mile high, mile high club. So I get it. But someone True. else said sex in an unusual location, which. What counts, as, what counts as an unusual get, location? Like a specific location? Yeah. <laughs> like the sink? What do you mean by unusual? Well, some, um, some girl um, had once sent a story to the podcast, actually, about her fucking on a cliff. Like, they were, like, going down to the oh, water wow. and they just fucked on the cliff. Like, that sounds lit. Like, if that's, like, unu- that's an unusual location. Okay, so with, um, with my boyfriend recently, when we went to Quebec City... Um, I don't know why this didn't come up just now when, like, we said this. I think it was because it felt, I wouldn't say it felt normal, but it was 
like it didn't it didn't crop up as like an unusual location but like we stopped on the side of the road to uh to like have a cigarette and a bite to eat in the forest and we were right next to the motorway and um we had sex in the back of the trunk like when with the trunk open that definitely i i couldn't have said before that i had sex in a really really unusual location but that was that was bizarre because like we knew that the people driving past could see just for a second what was going on mm. nobody would have stopped but it was it was um definitely yeah that's unusual. pretty unusual and yeah how did you fit uh, we basically, it's just like, you know, when you open the back of a trunk, okay, and you, as if you were gonna fill it with things, like, when you go to uni or when you go away, but we just use that as, like, a space to, does that make sense? No. Yeah, sense. but, like, how did you fit inside, though? I don't understand. It was, it was a pretty big, it was, like, one of those cars that when you open the, op- open the trunk, it's, like, massive. Uh, so it was just this empty space, which could have been, like, a bed if that if you know what I mean so I just fit myself onto the edge and and (laughs) yeah so I was looking out onto the open road and he was looking towards like the (laughs) empty forest but it was was, um (laughs) it was really I think that the act of like being in such an unusual location was itself like the turn on yeah like apart from the sex itself it was really interesting how psychologically it was like wow I'm looking at an open road where people are looking at me but they won't be able to stop mm. yeah i can imagine yeah it was pretty it was pretty um it's pretty hot I'm not gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> Hon, have you, you ever listening? had sex <laughs> Hon, have you ever had sex in an unusual location yeah i've had sex in um a car in a garden in quite a few places <laughs> <laughs> in a lift, as you said. Yeah. Um. Where else? Yeah, I've had sex in a car, but like, not the trunk, and not with it open. Because, mm. like, in America, everyone has roommates, so it's kind of like hard, you know. So you have to like find new ways. Mm. Oh, okay. You 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 had sex in a car because you couldn't have yeah. sex in your room. <laughs> um but yeah quite a few places what about you Madge? you Madge? uh well, i've had sex in a car but like outside a club oh yeah i remember that story <laughs> other than that like i'm pretty sure that's the weirdest i mean i've had sex in like a restaurant toilet but mm. that's pretty much it like that's the most adventurous i ha- i've only ever had sex in beds and rooms <laughs> and houses um yeah i'm so boring as you heard from my fun facts since i've never God, had sex so outside boring. i'm so boring. so boring yeah maria we can't oh. be friends because <laughs> you're so boring but yeah no i do see the appeal of sex in unusual locations i so see that as a fantasy mm. yeah okay well the next one is being tied to the bed at the wrists and the ankles oh, oh wow that is if you didn't if you cut out the ankles then it would be like less... I mean I feel like that is like proper BDSM. I feel like it would be hot. I don't know. I like the idea of restraint. Yeah, you should definitely try that if you haven't. That's it for the submissions. Should we do you guys want to share any of your sexual fantasies or not really? I think the three of us are pretty 
open like about talking about sex but just the context really changes when you're talking to an audience and you're like does this reveal too much about me should <laughs> I just not but you know what I'm gonna go for it yes <laughs> we discussed this earlier you guys know this but um one of my sexual fantasies is to be able to fuck my boyfriend and if that means like with a strap on if that means like in a fantastical world i could turning him into a woman and be a man and just like experience what it's like to penetrate my boyfriend that would be that would be so fun yeah i don't know why that is that is something I'd really like to experience. I kind of get that. A hundred percent. Like it's not my fantasy, but I do want to really know what it feels like to have a dick. Like yeah, I just want to know 100%. what the sensation is. Like how does it feel? It's like pressure around it, or like what is it? I'm just intrigued. We should ask the boys. I always ask. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. asked so many boys, but they never really give me a mm. satisfactory answer i always i also always ask boys like what it feels like when you have to like hold in pee <laughs> and they're like what do you mean it's like just holding in pee but i know it's not the same guys i, I told my not. mom that this podcast was like an intellectual conversation <laughs> about like femininity and sexual liberty <laughs> and it just turning into like what does it feel like to have a penis yeah we're gonna get into that we just have to like give the people <laughs> what they want you know <laughs> <laughs> I think we've done I've, I think we've done that mm. I was gonna say for me I can never really think of any like sexual fantasies but if people suggest it I'll be like yeah I'm down like there's, I can't think of many things where I'm like I mean I really wouldn't want to do that but like probably if they suggest it I'd like think about it first and be like hmm mm. like am I into yeah. that you know mm. <laughs> That's the end of the segment. Let's move on yeah. to the main intellectual <laughs> bit, if you will. If you will, if you will. <laughs> so, Miranda. <clears throat> Obviously, we've known you for like quite a bit, but... I kind of want to talk a little bit about sort of the early stages of sex and like when it kind of started being a thing at school and like that people started doing and I guess when people started like feeling themselves as sexual people. What are your memories and like do you remember like a positive experience, like a negative experience, sort of like break it down if you will? That's a loaded yeah. question, but I will try my best to answer. <laughs> no, I mean, in the in the ins and outs of what I experienced, you guys know, you guys know the stories, and I won't be telling them all here because, like, <laughs> who gives a fuck, actually? But <laughs> I think initially, like, being a sexual being and um, exploring my sexuality, like, as a young female, it was empowering, but at the same time, I think you do come into contact with a lot of people who who aren't on that wavelength and who will judge you, men and women. But a lot of, I think, slut-shaming, and I'm sure you guys have spoken about that in your previous podcasts. I think I've got a lot of shame from that period of my life, despite my sexual liberty, feeling like those experiences actually said like more negative things about me than positive things, where my friends were like, oh, you're, you know, you're so sexually liberated and you're doing all this, this, uh, this stuff and you've, you have 
so many stories to tell. I think in deep down, there was a part of me that really resented myself for not actually connecting to true love or what sex could be if you felt with, I don't know, more intense feeling. And a lot of my interactions, I think, despite being like very... I think they made for good stories and you guys know that I would I would come and tell you guys when they happen but I think on a kind of intimate level they were really lacking so if we can start with that as a point of departure I think stories about sex often they they reveal less about your true feelings about intimacy if that makes sense like they're really, I think for me anyways, I can't speak for everyone, they, they were a bit more of a, a front than they were like a true expression of my intimacy, my sexual power, because now that I own my sexual power, I know actually that feeling vulnerable feels a lot more true and a lot more liberating than having a lot of sex and telling stories about sex. So that's my, that's my point of departure. Mm. You just touched on you weren't being your true, like, vulnerable self or whatever. But at the time, did you notice that? Or do you think that you were, like, just doing what you wanted to do? Or, like, did you feel a pressure? What was kind of going on at the time? Okay, I mean, it's difficult to reflect, like, in retrospect, because it will just be tainted with what I've realised now. But I I do think, if I remember, like, Miranda from that time, um, which is... (laughs) kind of a bit of a precarious (laughs) thought I don't know if I really want to think about um but if I do place myself in her shoes I think she I think she had a very it was obviously evolving but I think she had a very honest grasp of what love could feel like I think I I sought out those things in things like literature and you know you guys knew me back then and I'm still that way I'm I was I was a hopeless romantic in a lot of ways and I think that I tried to um, I think I tried to disguise it with this sexual liberty, which was obviously, I don't regret being like that, but I think it didn't really do justice to that person who was just like, I really want to find something that feels raw and true. And and I think it taught me more when I was in my first relationship than all of those kind of sexual experiences put together, to be honest, because... I didn't like myself back then and I, d- I think it would have been different if I had owned that sexual liberty like all my friends would say it's really it's really cool that you you do those things and inside I I think I took pride in being able to tell the stories like I said but like deep down I think I didn't really like I didn't like that I wanted something more I think I was actually looking for something a lot more profound in all of those really superficial interactions mm. I don't know it's a very layered thing you know it's like I'm sure you guys can resonate with that. Yeah, I really relate to that. That kind of layered psychology behind intimacy and sex that like a lot of people don't see when you're young and you tell stories about it or you share. Even amongst your closest friends, like there's this kind of front that you're trying to put up and and you try and act tough and you and act independent. Sexual liberty was a way of asserting myself as like this independent, liberated female in the face of like people who doubted me. Uh, I don't think females need to be defined like as independent through their sexual liberty. I think like it's definitely a part of it, but it shouldn't be the thing that drives you to. Does that make sense? Yeah, making sense. I think we're going off on tangents, but no, it's fine. Do you think like the more that people kind of impose those expectations on you, or the more you felt expectations of like having to 
define yourself as a woman in a certain way that you like played up to that and that's why it kind of like overshadowed your hopeless like romantic side or whatever you want to call it (laughs) what would you call it hun (laughs) what was it (laughs) yeah definitely not hopeless just like you were very romantic (laughs) yeah I think I had the capacity to like I knew I had the capacity to give love to somebody in a way that I hadn't yet and to answer your question specifically it's a bit of um I guess you could say it's a bit of a dichotomy because like on the one hand those expectations were placed on me but they were also placed on me because I wanted to project them like I projected those Mm those things so like obviously expectations don't get set up by nothing I think I set up those expectations and then people followed which is natural and then once they were set up I felt like the pressure to adhere to those standards all the time but not because of them specifically I think it was more a standard I held to myself that if I did show vulnerability and I did show maybe like less uh sexual openness that I'd suddenly be considered less of a uh, femme fatale or sort of independent female but I think that relates less to the people that were surrounding me if not just my relationship to myself mm-hmm. which yeah which yeah I feel like it's definitely like a cyclical mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. yeah like you were saying it's kind of like you put that energy out there but it's also that comes from society Mm. and societal expectations but then you kind of internalize that and then that's what you project and then people just kind of see it as that's how you are and then it's this whole yeah cycle I think a lot of women will resonate with that relationship to the self and with others I don't know why I mean I can I again like I can only speak from my experience and also like knowing you guys but I I do think that it is it is something that a lot of like women especially those who are like sexually active or who do tap into that sexual liberty have felt that they they kind of are placed into an extremity or they're placed like they're kind of fetishized Mm. yeah I think women especially kind of really internalize the things that they hear from society just because it's not like we're raised in the same way as men where it's like oh whatever you do is like perfect you know you can (laughs) achieve whatever you want to achieve like obviously we are told that if we're raised by like liberal parents or whatever like you can achieve whatever you want Mm. but there is some point in growing up as women where you kind of start to realize like oh maybe I can't just do whatever I want because of these like societal limits that are placed on us no I do think also that at school like if we're speaking like about specifics about specific instances like I know that the three of us kind of shared that and and a couple of others too you know who you are guys (laughs) I think they shared that maybe judgment from other people that we were just getting up to a lot of I don't know or or that we were kind of judged for being so open about our sexuality because we were I mean like we wouldn't have shame in talking about it yeah but I think we'd we'd bump into a lot of kind of walls with social taboos or like I know. I, I I definitely remember that we were considered like the weird ones because we were very open about our sex life and our sexuality, and I think that's beautiful. I just don't think it's all that accepted for women, especially young females, to be like that. Like you are a slut if you do that, but if you're not, you yeah. It's a very kind of like normative debate, I suppose. But if you are open about your sexuality, 
then you're considered like a bit much intense um sort of like easy and if you're not then you're you you women are just placed in this binary i think especially a young age maybe yeah. less when they get older but still yeah but i think if you're gonna do it you kind of have to be open about mm. it because like mm. if other people are talking about it you might as well talk about it yourself and at least kind of define your own yeah yeah I see what reality you mean. that's such a cheesy way of phrasing that but you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> so how do you think then like coming out of that environment where everyone kind of already has predetermined like ideas of what you are and kind of Mm. how you act how then have you managed to define for yourself like what kind of sexuality or sex and romantic life that you want to have like how has that journey looked well the first thing that comes to mind is like when I came to Montreal I think it was my way out of that caged like that caged reality that that I had imposed on myself as well as other people like that really was I think a lot of people out here were surprised when I tell them that because London is obviously seen as like such a liberal capital and uh, I all I could say was that in my experience my years especially my last years in London had really just aided in that like caging of my identity that again it was both it was like a two-sided thing it was both me and the people around me but in leaving I think I realized that I I could just reset and and actually begin to get to know myself on a really like raw basis and I think it, it helped me realize that whether I am sexually open one day and the next or in let's put it in time for a much larger time frame that it doesn't that that shouldn't define me my sexual liberty shouldn't define us as women Mm -hmm. and I ended up kind of having that conversation with with Elliot with my boyfriend and telling him like one thing I I hope that you don't do in sort of getting to know me and in like embarking on this journey if you will um (laughs) just following the cheesy comments from honey (laughs) i said please don't fit me into like a an ideal a sexual ideal like try i I can't control the way you're gonna see me but if you can do something don't fit me into this kind of sexual fantasy because i think ultimately like he had told me that he hadn't had sex like that before that and we we kind of experimented with a lot of different locations a lot of different i guess like scenarios and as much as i enjoyed it in the beginning i was just worried that i was constructing that image of myself again that i had tried so hard to kind of separate myself from when i left to montreal so if that answers your question i'm not sure it's very easy to go on tangents with these things because you're like speaking about (laughs) society and yourself as well yeah (laughs) but i feel like that kind of feeds into what we were talking about earlier like when you get into a relationship with someone or when you're getting to know someone i feel like not just men but just in terms of relation relationships overall people are so scared of like being vulnerable and scared of Mm. people getting too attached so you kind of put those limits on yourself of like you don't want to seem too pushy or seem like you're too into it and you don't want to seem like you're really jealous even if that's how you are inside so you kind of like yeah (laughs) push it all away until you're like (laughs) past the honeymoon phase or whatever and then it kind of 
or you kind of gradually introduce these like more complex sides of your personality into it (laughs) i have a question for you guys um yeah did you guys feel like in the beginning of your relationship that you use sex as a way to kind of almost disguise yourself or just like it's almost like a deviation point like let let me deviate like this is how you're gonna get to know me for now until I decide that I actually want to look you in the eyes and I want I want you to see who I am like so to speak I mean like that would be tragic you just couldn't look them in the eyes but don't look at me put a bin bag over (laughs) the shame the shame I was actually just thinking about that because I was like I feel like I use or I used to no I feel like I still use sex as sort of like a when things are a bit scary you just kind of like push that you know so you don't have to deal with it and I was literally thinking how like the reason me and my boyfriend are together was because he wouldn't have sex with me for like (laughs) months and we got to know each other before we ever even had sex so i don't know i feel like it would never have happened if that didn't happen because i would have just used sex as like Mm -hmm. which was what i was doing i would just have sex with people and not get close with them and all of that shit and why do you think that women use that as a kind of disguise or us but i guess we could represent like a microcosm (laughs) i think people in general use it because people don't want to get hurt first of all second of all Mm. I feel like women use it more as in like use it quote unquote as in they manipulate people more with sex in a way like I don't want to say that women are like manipulating people because it's it's like kind of a sad thing in a way as women as the victim rather than like other people being the victim but I do feel like women are taught or like in some way like it's in their head that sex is a really good tool to use to get people to do what you want and like not to get people to do what you want but as in like put sex in front of someone's face and then they can forget about all the other stuff you know what I mean Mm. yeah no I get what you're saying I feel like it comes back again to the whole like societal thing and that women are literally made to seem like oh so your purpose is sex your purpose is reproduction and it's very easy to either fall into the mindset of like oh I am very much a sexual object or like I am very much the victim or as a lot of women realize at some point in their life you kind of see oh sex gives me all this power like I can use this power to my advantage and I feel like that's why so much of our identity is shaped around sex because you're that's like one of the main things that you can claim agency through you're like oh I can be a slut or I can like tease this guy with sex and like oh and then I'll take it away and like look at me I'm completely independent and like that's it becomes so ingrained in us that way of thinking mm-hmm. obviously there's always this concept of like the virgin and the madonna and how there's always just that just these like categories that you can fall into you can either be a prude or you can be a slut and like that is the only like things that women can be you know what i mean and i just feel like it's really mm-hmm. yeah really reductive and <laughs> and really like naive <laughs> i think it's also interesting this whole conversation about how people put this pressure on us and these labels and labels on us but we're also like part of that like we're letting them Mm. do that and i 
and recently I've just really been thinking about like my role in in all the like not very nice sexual things that have happened to me not that I'm like trying to blame myself or anything but like I'm trying to like dissect in my mind like okay how did I let this happen and like why did I let this yeah. happen mm-hmm. like one in my head like made me think that that was okay but also maybe there's too much like emphasis placed on our responsibility you know maybe I think like mm. something I've been talking about with my best friend Thierry who is a male um we were talking about like how feminism like normative feminism has become very much a female problem like a problem about females when actually like I understand I and I fully resonated with what you just said about assessing your role in those past interactions where you feel almost guilty but at the same time like Mm. how much is it our responsibility because we are just perpetuating the ideologies that haven't changed before us and that haven't changed like during our lifetime well yeah do you know what I mean it's like maybe no a hundred percent I I agree I don't mean like uh it's like our fault as well but it's in I just mean check the ways in which you are like discriminating against yourself right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like check the ways in which you've like really absorbed what we are in like what's ingrained in our minds about women and how they're not like these sexual beings or or like if they are then they're a slut and like you know playing up to these things Mm. i feel like we play up to them too and it's it's like it's scary yeah there's a lot of power in knowing that you're doing it do you know what I mean? So then you can change it. Mm. I think that's exactly what I was referring to. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's very easy to kind of, as we've been saying this whole time, use sex as kind of an excuse and as a very in-your-face explicit thing. Like, look, I am being subversive or I am rebelling against all of these categories that are being placed on me. But actually, if you look deeply into it, you kind of start to see the ways in which you subconsciously are kind of just Mm. recreating these patterns of oppressing yourself and like putting yourself in bad situations and yeah as maria was saying it's really important to examine your how you personally do that and then also everyone look out into wider society and how those things are upheld more outwardly Mm. i think that links like quite a lot to what i was trying to say before maybe like without knowing how but now that we we're speaking about like perpetuating that or it's self-jeopardizing I guess you could call it like that's why Mm. I look back at that version of myself and I do feel shame maybe because I I oppress myself in my own ideologies towards women like I judge myself as a woman towards myself as a woman if that makes sense yeah that's why I think instead of looking back at it like Oh, it was a it was a period of sexual liberty. On the on the on the contrary, I think it might have only placed myself more into that like binary that we've we as women have been placed in, and I did that to myself as much as other people did. So like in reassessing my my um, how can I phrase this in reassessing my kind of need to define my my femininity, I realized that actually the, that period of my life. It obviously helped me get to where I am now, but it I think it also it was like one step forward, two steps back mm. and not actually allowing myself to fully own that space. Actually, when I did engage in that way sexually with men, that I judged myself as much as other people would judge me, that I should have just been like, you know, this is an expression of not my femininity, not my gender, but just my 
my humanness like yeah. I'm just I'm absorbing all of these experiences but that's not how I looked at it at the time I think that's how I look at it now after a lot of careful observation yeah so how have you kind of been able to move past I mean I don't know if you have but we did talk briefly briefly about this in terms of how I have think you this will tie into a lot of the like topics that we wanted to cover so <laughs> great <laughs> my answer to that is so I think um Elliot right now is like somebody who I see this this might be a little bit like I guess strange for a lot of people to hear but like he I see him less and less as a man and I think before all the interactions I placed myself in were with men and older men so their role as men was very defined and the more I get to know Elliot, the more I realize that he's less of a man or like he embodies he's kind of a balance, so much of a balanced energy that I don't feel like I need to, I need to like really fulfill that role as a female, if that makes sense. Mm. But I don't think that's so much, uh, it's, a, it's both like having found him and knowing that he has that balanced energy, but also allowing myself to realize that like, I don't have to also prescribe a role to men that I can allow the men that I meet in my life because I'm attracting them to realize that I deserve that and that they don't have to necessarily be part of that whole I guess pattern and trend of men like placing women in a binary that actually I can allow myself to see them less like men and more as human beings that will allow me to learn about love and I don't know, I think a whole process was like getting really hurt in my last relationship, which you guys know about. Yeah. But also because that person was twice my age. So his, his distinct traits embodied what it was, I think, to be a man that, that could place me in a kind of identity cage because he was older, because he also carried a lot of like conventional values. And I think part of me, maybe it's not what I wanted or consciously wanted at the time but it's definitely something that I needed to learn in order to realize what it is that I actually deserved that we can we choose the people that we love mm. and we can choose to love either men or women who have energies that that are less gendered and more balanced and that allow ourselves to see sex less as a as a I'm a female you're a male or vice versa or with the same sex and just enjoy it for what it is which is just sharing your body with another human being yeah and I think it kind of like encourages you like both parties feel less pressure because mm. I think all the time about men and their position in obviously the patriarchy is named after men but how we as women place these expectations on men and how they have to live up to that because like I really worry about that and I notice it a lot because my boyfriend's very like emotional I'm sure he won't mind me saying <laughs> like he is very in touch with his emotions and I'm not as in touch with my emotions so sometimes I kind of am like what are you doing like why do you think that's a bit of a role reversal yeah it's really weird and I think like I have kind of always thought oh I'm the guy like I don't catch feelings and that has also like using gender binaries to kind of define your sexual role and your emotional role is like so harmful and mm -hmm. being able to surpass that you kind of feel way more freed from any expectations you think they have of you or you know you have of them and they know that you have of them and 
it's just way easier to kind of you kind of don't define yourself based on the other person as much you're kind of just more living in harmony (laughs) if that makes sense did you think that you you yourself like because we always said like this this goes off of what like we were saying before about the way that I was seen back in high school but that we'd always say you're like a grey sea you're like emotionless and that your mum would say that Um, (laughs) (laughs) do you think that you you then began to label yourself with that kind of inability to feel as opposed to like the reality of it being that you could feel intensely Mm. (laughs) I guess I kind of felt like a lot of pressure to like surpass that and I still do but I think having the label and then being able to work off that label is helpful Mm. and I think that's helpful for any label like maybe sometimes it's better to just name the problem and then be able to do what you will with that label and go off of that I still definitely struggle with that but I don't think it's because of how I've been labeled it's more just like being able to move away Mm. from it (laughs) But I feel like that's kind of the same with any label, like gender, sexuality, monogamy, like all of those kinds of things that also ingrained in us. Do you think that they're necessary? I don't think, I think labels can definitely be a lot more harmful than helpful, but it's then, like labels aren't about to just disappear. So then how do we deal with those labels? Mm. Because that is what, that is what our minds as human beings that's how we organize things in our mind you know yeah. with labels like we need to be able to put words to things because that's how we communicate around them and that's how we create these conversations but then how do we not just get stuck on the label like how do we use the label for good it's kind of the same with like a diagnosis like what you're just gonna get given a diagnosis and be like okay that's it like no you're not how do I then fix this diagnosis mm. it's not so much about fixing but like how can you live with it and how can you how can you like manipulate it in terms of like how can you move past it how can you conform to it when you kind of feel like that's necessary Mm. do you think it's possible to begin a relationship with somebody and not place any like you know where your feelings lie but I'm I'm speaking specifically because like I'm now assessing my own my own like situation where (laughs) I hate I I realize I've used the word boyfriend in this podcast and every time I have I've just shuddered I've been like oh did I just say that because I like I I love Elliot but I don't feel like affiliated with the term boyfriend and I I feel like Mm. like I actually fucking hate that word and I don't know why I've used it I think it's the best way to actually like in speaking about labels just like define for you guys but you already know but like for the audience also for there's like for there to be no ambiguity like I am in a relationship (laughs) just so everybody knows Mm. (laughs) but I (laughs) I I do feel like there is I don't know I I kind of might have idealized that interaction initially where I kind of said to him like I don't like the term boyfriend and I I just there's a lack of kind of words that you can use when you're in love to really hold that space for somebody because you say lover and of course it sounds very romantic but like I think when you're talking to your family your friends (laughs) they're like whoa yeah they're like lover I mean you sound kind of very bohemian and um, (laughs) what are you in some sort of like open relationship and I I don't know I think there's something that you we do we do need to, in labeling, that means that we're capturing what the reality of something. We're, we're kind of like solidifying what it is. And I, I think we initially, I, I tried anyways to kind of 
just start off the relationship in a very open way and then the more I spend time with him the more I realize that I I kind of I need that label mm. as, as, and it's manifesting here right because I keep using the word boyfriend when actually I don't <laughs> like the term but just because I need to I need to it's the best way that I can display or like I guess like signal that this person is meaningful 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 yeah yeah I think it's difficult as well especially as more and more people realize that monogamy is maybe not the way forward and people are kind of more accepting of that now to find labels that you or like terms that you can use to describe people I hate the term partner because it's only ever used in relation to gay people and it just I'm like Mm why like why does it have to be that the thing is in the same way that like people don't like boyfriend i just don't think that any of them are necessary but like whichever one works for you i think is fine like i have no problem with saying boyfriend yeah i think it's just like as you said something that to you is descriptive of that person and if boyfriend to you isn't that word then i just don't think there's any like it sucks that there's not another one and that other people won't understand like your word but it's just a word yeah it's just a way of signaling to other it people is. what it is. Like, it doesn't have to mean anything to you. Yeah. It's just like the, it's the language games. It's just because people understand boyfriend and they won't understand anything yeah. else. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I wish there was like an equivalent of the word queer in the LGBTQ plus community in terms of like relationships. Because I feel like queer is very mm-hmm. open. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I don't have to like label it. So like a relationship, you can just be like, oh, it's like mm. a thing. I don't know what it would have been. But a thing. Yeah, a thing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so maybe I have to come to terms with my own, like my own fears about what that means. But like boyfriend to me just sounds very, I think like it doesn't do justice really to what, again, like you guys will will share what your views are on that but it doesn't for me do justice to what I feel towards that person it feels almost like it captures in a very descriptive categorizing sense what that person is but I think one of my biggest fears is being misunderstood so it doesn't really do justice to to what I feel towards that person it feels like very banal it feels almost infantile like this person's a boy who is my friend but like he's my boyfriend and you know we kind of we have this relationship no I feel like it doesn't do justice to a whole the whole the whole idea that a relationship is a constant learning and a revoking of yourself a praising of yourself then when you kind of come to terms with that it's like a whole flux and stasis and movement inside of you Mm. and movement with the other person it's like dynamic and boyfriend (laughs) just feels very it's a stage in my life that I'm sharing with somebody like it doesn't maybe I'm just hopelessly romantic that way but I think Elliot could agree with me (laughs) (laughs) no but I think it is kind of like the same as being fixed in a sexual role or any other role Mm. like once you've put that label you can't take it away it's kind of like okay well those are the expectations that are on you now every set of expectations that comes with that label Mm. there you go that's yours and you're responsible for it and like now we have some contract between us that we have to uphold but maybe it would just be so much easier for everyone if we could be way more flexible in our labeling and in our relationships and like growing with the person and your relationship is constantly changing Mm. I think that would put a lot less pressure on things 
Yeah. At the same time, though, I feel like people give too much power. Like, sorry, I don't want to, like, trash on what your <laughs> opinions of the word boyfriend, Miranda. But, like, I feel like people really put a lot of power on the word when they're really just scared of commitment. And that's just what they just don't want to say that. Oh, no, fully, like, fully. <laughs> I fully agree with you. Because to me, the word, like, of course, I really don't, like, I don't care if you use it or not. Like, I really couldn't care less. But to me, like, it just doesn't mean that much. It's just a word. How anything is a word to describe every... Like, we use words to describe everything. I understand everything, the you know? fear of commitment thing. I do. Because I think I can actually, like, fully relate to that. But I know that I'm not a relationship type, okay? No matter how... I think there is a huge... <laughs> I mean, t- like, disagreement with me, please. Please, if you if you want, if you can... I really think there's a huge distinction between being hopelessly romantic and functioning within a relationship. Yeah. I am the former. I am not the latter. I don't know. I I think I'm I I think I know how to give love, and and I think I try my best to do it unconditionally if I can, even though it's very difficult sometimes. But I think that that is something that I know that I have. But I think that more that that it kind of resides in the the former like hopeless romantic love object love subject kind of interaction then the actual practicality of a relationship of course i'm good at giving my time that is the practicality of love but in like actually being in a relationship and what that entails i think i i really shy away from labels and whether that is something that you guys would probably agree is maybe my fear of commitment but i think i'm actually like in general i'm somebody who who acts out of courage I'm like okay so this has just happened when I met Elliot I think I wasn't at all ready to get into a relationship right like at all mm. it came out of absolutely nowhere but I did it anyways and I tried not to be scared even though I really was yeah and maybe in the in the beginning I was shying away from labels from the word boyfriend and girlfriend I remember when in the beginning he'd call his, 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 um, his family and he'd say, my copine, and like he'd say, my girlfriend. And I was like, well, we haven't talked about this yet. And I would just, I'd be like in another room, just like, did he really just say that? Like, I, I wasn't aware. But I don't know. I yeah. don't know. The more I, the more I realized I wanted to be with him, the more I maybe like grew, not, I wouldn't say fond, but like I started to accept those labels but it doesn't mean they still feel right to me. They, it's not. I don't think that's a fear of commitment. Maybe it's just like a. Mm. Why does it sound so fucking banal? Why does it just sound like? <laughs> yeah, no. Every time I hear the word or like use the word boyfriend, I'm like, ew. Like it just sounds wrong. Yeah. I like. I just don't like it. Okay. Wait. I sorry. I just. I kind of want to revise what I said because I feel like by fear of commitment, what I actually mean is more like it's not so much that you have to be like afraid of commitment but i feel like it's more afraid of like yeah, what it means 100%. to be a girlfriend and like fulfilling all those roles which like to me that's the problem it's like those roles shouldn't exist and this like expectation of a boyfriend or a girlfriend shouldn't exist because that's it's a concept like people can't like fit into molds of things that humans have made up as like the ideal <laughs> everyone's different and I feel like I get your sentiment of not wanting to say like oh this is my boyfriend because in reality this is just your partner this is like who you're like going through life with right now you're I don't know and I feel like that's why people shy away from 
label sometimes because it's more like I don't want this person to then become what I think in my head a boyfriend is. I just want this person to be themselves and for us to be together and that's that. And I feel mm-hmm. like that, to me, that's what my relationship is. And I, I think it's a lot more about the contract between the two people. Like, what am I expecting yeah. from you and what are you expecting from me rather than what should a girlfriend do and what should a boyfriend do? Yeah, I mean, I was just like, as soon as you said that, like, as soon as you said that much about the... um not wanting to be seen or not wanting to embody the concept of girlfriend rather than not liking the label like boyfriend I think that is very much something (laughs) that resonates with me and I've been having like conversations with Elliot about it and I, I literally a little light went up in my head and I was like this is so relevant for me right now I don't know about you guys but in the beginning stages of the relationship where you kind of navigate those roles right and um I have a little anecdote if you want to hear it that is like specific to this yeah and it will actually it will make you guys laugh because I had a dream the same night that kind of like exacerbated all those fears that I had and I woke up the next morning like oh my god oh my god I cannot I don't want to be this person (laughs) but basically on Sunday night so Ellie invited a couple of his friends to to play poker and and I was just there, like, in his hoodie, just taking it easy. Like, it was just a night that we'd spent all day working at home. And he invited them to come around at, like, 8.30. So they, they arrive, and I know them quite well, but I think the one thing I've always felt, and they're very kind of make-French guys, is that they um, they have these kind of... Um, and it's not a judgment to them, it's just maybe the way that they've grown up, these kind of ideas about women um, that are very much, like, binary. So I'm man, woman and you can feel those interactions. I wouldn't say that they're all at all sexist, like they're not sexist people, they're not bad people, but it's just mm. the culture within the, which they've grown up has kind of taught them to see women as different, very different. And I felt that immediately that they came in and I think they, they're, now not, they're now not seeing me that way because of what happened, which I will share briefly because we have to wrap up, I know. Um, but... <laughs> So I, I I couldn't, I really didn't like the fact that I'll never be seen as just like, just just like an, a friend of theirs as opposed to Elliot's girlfriend. Elliot's girlfriend, hi Elliot's girlfriend, how's the relationship going? So like they didn't, they don't even ask me those questions but I just, it's more maybe a fear of mine. So we sit down, start to play poker and each one of them loses, okay, so they keep losing and it's just me and Theo at the end and he's got all the chips and um... I ended up winning after like a tete-a-tete, like two hours when me and Theo were just like smoking joints and like drinking beers and just wanted to get the game over and done with, but we're both really stubborn, so we both wanted to win and I ended up winning. And I think it changed kind of the way that they saw the female in that interaction where it was like, oh, she won the poker game against four men, four guys. (laughs) And it might sound very conventional. I, I don't think that a woman has to assert herself through winning games against men, but I think in that moment, I realized that even even having beat them at a game of poker, that I was still worried more than the way they treated me. I was still worried of I was trying to prove myself, basically. Mm. Obviously, I won the I won the game by chance. Right. But I think subconsciously through all of that, when I won, it was like, okay, so now I've asserted that I'm like you guys. But it's only because I have a fear of being the girlfriend stereotype. (laughs) And that same night I went to bed and I dreamt that me and the whole of our class from Herodian was on a plane to Mexico. 
and they saw me with Elliot and they were all making fun of me for being like the girlfriend. <laughs> and I woke up oh my god. Morning. It was crazy <laughs> and it's relevant to you guys as well that I was like, okay, so this is a real fear and I need to just get over it, but there's something about being a girlfriend that does not chime well with me. Yeah. And I need to just I so does agree. that make sense? Yeah, no. With anyone, I hope anyone's out there like I love being a girlfriend. I love it. <laughs> no, at the start of my relationship, I was like, everyone in Santa Cruz will know this because literally even people I wasn't even that good friends with would make fun of me because I'm like, no, he's not my boyfriend. And yeah. they'd be like, oh, where have you been? And I'm like, oh, I was just with um, with him. And they're like, oh, you, so how's your boyfriend? Like, how's how is it? And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> no. I am not his girlfriend. <laughs> he is not my boyfriend. Let's just get that straight. <laughs> but like obviously you kind of have to accept it but it is kind of like having like you don't want to fill a role because I literally was like no I'm not like I feel like I'm still pushing against that and it's kind of an <laughs> endless like uphill battle like you're kind of always just like yeah. trying to push against fulfilling all those roles because I'm like no I'm not gonna tell you to do that like but then you kind of slip into certain things at certain points and you're like, oh, fuck, like, why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's quite interesting because I, I don't, I don't like never catch myself thinking those things because I just feel like I'm quite happy to be a girlfriend and I don't really care. But I feel like I try to push like my boyfriend to fill the boyfriend role. Like <laughs> things that I'm like, no, but he's my boyfriend. So he has to mm. do this when it's like, but no, he doesn't. I mean, I don't do it like in an extreme way or anything. Just, like, <laughs> I was gonna say like, like wow. I'm not like I'm not like. Oh my god, no, he's my boyfriend, so like, um, he has to take me to dinner and blah blah blah. It's more of a like, I feel like I'm like he's my boyfriend, so he should be texting me all day. Mm. Like I'm just like in my in my head that just makes complete sense when like. That doesn't really make sense. You don't sense. sound fucking whack to most people, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like my boyfriend has that too, where he's like, he feels like he has to live up to a role. Because he's like, oh, but don't you want me to do this? I'm like, no, I don't expect you to do anything. I don't expect you to, like, do this or that. And he's like, yeah, but mm-hmm. why? You should. I'm like, why, though? Like, I don't care. I just want you <laughs> to respect me and love me and just be yourself. Like, that's mm-hmm. it. I don't expect you to yeah. make all the money and, like, pay for everything and buy me presents. I literally couldn't care less. I just want to spend time with you as you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I think this, like, conversation has so many different dimensions. There's a whole like psychological dimension it's like why are me and hun like that why <laughs> yeah. do we resist the role of the girlfriend i think we both know why because like yeah neither of us grew up with completely present dad so i feel like we don't want to fulfill one role we haven't like had examples of like binary roles so balance maybe we're out more, like yeah we balance oh yeah out. like you could kind of do both at once i mean not to say maria like you're fucking binary piece of shit because <laughs> you have two parents <laughs> <laughs> okay well 
I was gonna say does anyone have anything they've seen on the internet this week but like all I've seen on the internet this week is stuff about the election so mm, we don't need to here. talk about that anymore because like in case people <laughs> forgot we're in the middle of an election like I don't know if you remember but you know it's not Guys, really let's anywhere. just remind you Biden versus <laughs> Trump this week catch it on Sky News <laughs> oh my god hopefully by the time we release this episode we will fucking know who the president yeah, that is I mean it's quite clear at this point who okay is, let's but, just you know, briefly speak them projections crossed. Projections, manifestations. Biden's uh, going to win. Touch on wood. I don't want to jinx it. Yeah, we can't jinx it. Like, fucking touch wood. But, you know, yeah. fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, we've already listening. blessed it with this beautiful podcast. I think that exactly. is enough for Biden to win the US election. <laughs> Done. Hey, guys. This is Maria, editing Maria in the future slash present, I guess. Um, And I just wanted to give uh, a little note here that obviously we didn't know that Biden was going to win. And now obviously Biden-Harris 2020. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we're really happy, obviously, and we will talk a lot more about it next week. But for now, yay, (laughs) we're really happy. But yeah. Bye. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on and blessing us all yes. with your life lessons and things, your thoughts, you know. It's such a pleasure. I can't even can stress enough how much of a pleasure it is not to just like catch up with you guys. We've done that, but like on a platform that I've never I've never engaged with before. I mean, like spoken on before. <laughs> also, it's um it's a conversation that departed a lot from what we spoke about and ended up like yeah kind of finding itself in new conclusions which i thought was really really nice Mm. and i miss you both yes yeah we miss you too thank you so much for joining and thank you everyone for listening you can follow us on instagram at sextras podcast on facebook at sextras podcast you can email us at sextras podcast at gmail.com <laughs> our website is going to be published in the next week i just have to like actually get shit done and the amazing the amazing website honey has built us <laughs> yeah. are you guys so excited oh it's my so god beautiful. yeah yeah thank you for listening please subscribe review share tell Tell your your friends friends. about it you know like it helps us so much please leave us a review Mm -hmm. if this is like the second or third time you're listening send us your suggestions boyfriends who are listening i hope you learned something about us elliot i love you (laughs) (laughs) and we'll see you next tuesday You've been listening to Sextras, presented by Honey Jane Wyatt and Maria Jose Hayodetiyi. Produced by Mabel Productions.